0: Perspectives, perspective, <laughs>
1: nuanced perspectives.
0: My perspectives are always shitty and
1: <laughs> <Everybody, that's> biased. <laughs> well, We're I all mean, biased. I mean, there's that. There's there's no other possible place from which to judge anything other than our own finite contingency. So well,
0: we have that additional thing though, where I kind of one of my mantras was to break out of groupthink, noticing mm. what it is break out of it get out of your bubbles be surrounded by different influences and my effort to break out of groupthink locked me in to a bubble of influences
1: <laughs> yeah but that i mean that's because as just as an animal that is a social animal we are inevitably trapped in groupthink just as an animal that mediates this reality through language and language only works as a shared medium sure, yeah. we are inevitably stuck
0: they argue to be twenty percent of communications, so yeah. You know, losing it all. and
1: so you know, uh, you can't escape the, that that question. And frankly, as an animal, we can't survive outside of a social environment, right? Like you put somebody in solitary, they go nuts. And so, for us, existence is intimately tied to living alongside one another. Like there, there is no other way for us to be in the world.
0: And, and, and that goes back to that thing where I said we keep making these rules that prevent us from that. Like we even we, we talk about communes jokingly and we tease right. them. But who the fuck is on the actual things that work like it does take a village to raise a child and you're going to get superior products of life raised in an intricate community like that. But if, uh, if, if 70 hippies go start opening up some peace, love, and humanity commune, we look at them like they're idiots.
1: I mean, so I guess Richard Rorty, the prominent you know, American pragmatist philosopher, talked about the no, fact... I
0: no, don't, I don't know. I and, no <laughs> and neither does anyone else listening to this. That's do. all right. That's all right.
1: We're nerding out right now. Uh, you know, he, he talked about the fact that you know, because we are confined by language and vocabulary... And because inevitably truth is a function of statements, right? there There is no realm outside of statements and, and discourse in, in which the question of truth even enters. The key is not to sort of achieve a vocabulary so expansive that it encompasses necessarily uh, every human experience, right. As, you know there there's no sort of vantage point outside of our own finite experience that we can stand from to try to even determine what the boundaries of a project like that would look like. So the key is not to sort of find some sort of universal set of values, which has been, I think, the traditional Western philosophical uh, project. Let's find that sort of universal objective value that sort of sets everything in the right order, but simply to engage as many vocabularies as we possibly can, right? And this is why I use hip-hop to uh, frame a lot of the, uh, the work I do that is intended to document social conditions because hip hop has been the language of inner city poverty in America for three or four decades now. And so hip hop provides us a vocabulary, a language to describe and mediate that reality, even if we ourselves are not living it. And so because of that, you know, I I try to use it to show like this is an entry point into a set of values and into a set of experiences because all language is a result and function of the experiences we have collectively shared. It is an entry point into a perspective you might not have but that you can intimately through the use of language come into contact with. Yeah,
0: that is... I don't know. Like you said, you're nerding out on us again <laughs> and you're, you're making these points that just seem... like they seem obvious when you start to break them down and analyze what they are and, and I... I like the those mediums seem to be relatively underappreciated because of those biases we have in our society and what's really kind of bringing that out to me is with bob dylan getting the 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 literature nobel literature nobel that that they're they're that's a door opening that has to eventually acknowledge that the, the, the hip hop artists that were telling these messages decades ago and, and getting that uh, social consciousness started in in that format.
1: So who'll be the first hip hop artist to win the Nobel prize in literature?
0: We can certainly ask you better than me on that, but I would, I, the only things I remember is like cannabis <laughs> N.W.A. I don't think it's gonna be cannabis. Um, I listen to N.W.A. Onyx.
1: I don't think it'll be. I you know, it's it's a slightly biased answer, but I, if I think the right choice would be Nas, if you were to say like who, um, but you
0: also got to break this in a poetry form. So is it sure. does it does it fit that? Because that's the thing about Dylan that really stood out to me. I'm not a big Bob Dylan music fan, mm. but when you do read his lyrics. As a standalone, you're like, oh, that's clearly poetry.
1: Yeah, well, I don't, you know, I, I, I think really it's it's not so much a question of poetry, uh, but poesy, right? The ability to use words in a way that challenges our basic understanding, not only of those terms, but also of the structure of language to show that despite their uh, sort of surface level promise to mediate a reality untouched that is not what vocabulary does that is not what words do right words are a tool we use and we can use it in any number of ways right and you know sort of not great example of this is is, is the f word right like it, it can just be Greatest used word in so many ways uh but you know it, it's a sort of uh so like the, the, Think know, about that. These
0: fucking fucks fuck that up. Yeah, exactly. I actually like, said yeah. something.
1: <laughs> you know, but it, it's a perfect example. But you know what what I think hip hop in a lot of ways does is that it uses that, you know, ours technica of poesy to challenge the way that we think language functions. And I don't know of a rapper that has contributed more to challenging our interpretation of the social conditions that exist in a place like the Queensbridge projects. Um, and all their cognates throughout the world, than not. That's that's my personal.
0: Uh, I think that's my homework case. assignment. Then is to is to do a little uh, homework and uh, see how I feel about that. Considering I wasn't somebody conscious back then, or into any conscious rap, or would have picked up on the significance of lyrics like you know you do now. Like I mean, even NWA, like in this, especially in the context right now, is is. Like Those are prophetic words that people should have been paying attention to back then.
1: Yeah, I mean, just think about what our our social reality and commitment to the idea of police was in the 80s. And then for them to put that song out, you know, they fundamentally challenged the idea that when we hear police, that we should assume something good. Now, it took time for that to sort of wend its way beyond, uh, you know, one corner of the hip hop community but that is a perfect example of where this art form and this group in particular has taken a word and forced us to rethink what the capacity of language is fundamentally.
0: Yeah. And I think especially looking at the progression from the times they said that a lot more people can say, yeah, yeah fuck, fuck, fuck the, the police, police. Yeah. <laughs> right? You know, because And it's not about, it's not fuck that police officer either. It's fuck Mm -hmm. the police. That's the institution. That's not that individual that's carrying it out. They are specifically saying this institution oppresses us and creates problems. And we have those problems on our doorstep. And that, that has to be, Uh, recognize and appreciate it to some effect where that must be the case now with some of these current lyricists who are putting out fresh material Mm -hmm. that they're obviously saying things that 30 years from now you're going to go oh "Oh, shit, shit we should have listened and that harps back to this community board issue of can we trust these people Yes, we can trust these people. Dr. Dre was articulating something at an as an eighteen-year-old child, or it was close to that. That a vast majority of America can't conceptualize, which is what a lot of activists here in Baltimore did for me. Kwame, Devin, Adam Jackson, a lot of these people ended up saying things and giving me perspectives that I just couldn't take in and understand without their ability to articulate something I didn't get white liberal was something I did not get until Kwame beat it down into my brain to figure out that the white liberal is the enemy and I see it now
1: yeah I mean and it's interesting because like you know I remember when the Michelle Alexander book first came out and it was never something that at the time I felt particularly compelled to read because I read the title the new Jim Crow and you know like the little uh subtitle i was like i knew exactly what that book said you know right just because i was like a puerto rican guy who grew up in the northeast listening to hip-hop my whole life like i've already read this book a million times i you know i I don't need to read it to know exactly what it says and my main reaction was like oh that's like a good way to describe it the new jim crow and like moved on because you know just from my social location this wasn't something to like you had to convince me of like i never read it either yeah yeah, gotcha i was like (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we've been saying that forever, right? Like, you know, in certain communities. But, I mean, that was a perfect example, you know, going back to the fuck the police thing. You know, we went from police to not the individual officer to the institution. Like, look what the their use of that single word in that phrase forced us to do intellectually, right? To to sort of break down. What do we even mean when we say police, right? And I think that is the power and that's not obviously exclusive to hip hop, but that is the power of, of poesy, Right. And, and I think that's where uh, it is in Dylan and it is in Nas and it is in a million other artists. And that is the value of, of art. I think oftentimes, and look, obviously there's some art that isn't high art in this way, right? Sometimes it's just a song for the party and that's okay. Cause we all like to party too. It's okay for like, you know, somebody to make a shitty club song. Cause that's what I want to hear when I'm at the club. But when I, you know, I want to put on an illmatic, or uh, a, and then you shoot your cousin by the roots, or an undone. When I'm in a different type of space, and the capacity for hip hop to expand our understanding of 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 our own language, but also to give us an entryway into a reality many of us would not otherwise touch, is powerful. And and you know, the Wu Tang has this line. In one of their songs you know uh, off the jizz of liquid swords album if you're living in the world today then you're familiar with the slang that the wu-tang say and that idea of slang i think is really an important one because when i moved to england there are certain slang words that they use like they referred to uh the british like money as a quid and the first time you hear it you know exactly what they mean right the first time somebody walked up and was like oh man that thing got knackered i knew exactly what they meant right i had never heard this word said to me before but it was immediately because it was language and because all language is contextual it was immediately clear what that meant and so when we engage an alternative vocabulary one that we wouldn't normally employ what it does is it gives us an entryway into the context that created it and we can simply observe that context or we can decide we need to intervene in that context but if we are paying attention We should not be able to ignore that context.
0: Paying attention being the key word, because (laughs) what I was just running through my mind is the willful ignorance of, I hate to say white America, but when I say white America all the time, I think people should understand what I mean. I mean ignorant, privileged... White people going around saying, Oh, we're in the greatest country in the world, which is like an empirical fact that it is not the greatest country in the world. It's not number one at anything other than incarceration, GDP, and there's one, oh, military. So we're great at killing people, making shit, and, and putting people in jail. Wonderful. Everything else, somebody's better than us at.
1: I mean, look, you got to have some trophies on the shelf, right? All
0: right we, we got some. So what I'm thinking is, is how that white America ignores the context of that because they maybe don't want to understand it because you see things like they talk about music and hip-hop and that culture and at the same time they're listening to Jailhouse Rock being sung by uh the hell's his name Elvis and uh Jailhouse Rock is about banging A little, weak, young man and raping him in jail. That is the jailhouse rock is a big felony criminal finding the sweetest little young boy who enters into the prison
1: so he can rape him. And you're going to tell N.W.A. that fuck the The police police is bad. (laughs) But I mean, let's be honest. I mean, there's a reason that uh, America... White America, particularly, had the reaction it did to rock and roll, right? I mean, rock and roll hip-hop is rock and roll after rock and roll became old and boring it's Marilyn. like the idea that they think about how they demonized Marilyn manson yeah, yeah, yeah
0: and it's like for what the first thing i need you to recognize is you didn't listen to any of his lyrics, lyrics because he's not saying anything you actually have a problem with yeah you don't like the makeup and the way he presented himself and you let all those biases flooded for a dude that's a good musician and writes lyrics that are relevant to how people feel
1: <laughs> no absolutely you know but it going back to um whether we have ignored hip-hop i you know i think part of the problem is that we don't think of it as language as vocabulary and also that we just you know we, because our experience of language is one where we are sort of involved in it innately just as an animal we don't have to think about what language is, right? And certainly our public education is not like... We don't, but maybe we should. But that's the thing. If we did, we could... You know, I wouldn't have spent... You know, I fell in love with hip-hop officially in 1993. Hip-hop parade. That was the song that made me a hip-hop fan for life. But I have to admit that it was really when I moved to Hartford, Connecticut at 22 years old where that was my real first time experiencing what inner city poverty looked like and admittedly at that age it, it struck me so much because that's a, a a city that is has a very large Puerto Rican population you know so these are my people who are suffering you know this experience but there's no reason that i you know i should have spent all those years in between uh listening to a music like hip hop and even though i was a liberal right the white liberal Uh, in many ways, especially because, you know, I grew up in a place like Amherst, Massachusetts. While I, you know, maybe intellectually, I would say the right thing in terms of I'm on this side of the issue versus that, I had no idea what poverty actually was. And when I listen to those records today, especially after all the work I've done in a place like Baltimore, I'm like, this is describing this place perfectly, but 20 years ago. And that's where I fault myself in a lot of ways because... For 20 years, that means I ignored something that was in my face. Like I went out of my way to put something into my ear so I could listen to this guy describe this reality. And then I was like, yo, the speed is banging, man. <laughs> you know, and look, you know, I mean, you know, we can't, we're all fine that we all have our limitations. But what I hope that some of my work does is it helps people realize that this thing that I'm just like rocking to in the club is actually describing a horrifying reality that demands an intervention.
0: It's so funny how like things shape us as adults now that I'm thinking about looking at, at you in that perspective and how so many people would perceive us as being very similar. Like especially from the outside, yeah. uh, education levels and and appearance, just in general, we could probably be mistaken for brothers. No, definitely, so, it would be a stretch. So, so so that that gets these ideas about what has formulated us and even how we got here. So detractors are going to think that we followed some kind of similar path and, and we're on completely different paths. I I remember my musical like awakening coming from from two particular songs. In two different ways that attracted me to to heavy metal, okay, Uh, and 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 that's been my musical formulation. But they also were talking about these very same type of things that I fucking ignored. So the first one that I remember specifically was music videos, and I watched Metallica play and Justice for All. Okay, and I was like, fuck, rock and roll, shit. Like I wanted to headbang. I wanted to like I was like, man. But that song is talking about the evils of war and how we neglect our veterans and we don't treat people the way we would and we'll send the poor over to war and die and, and, and we just carry on about life and, and so this is justice for all. And it, it's, it's, but that message isn't what I heard. I, I heard Lars Double double Drum right, doing man. that awesome ending and, and, and darkness imprisoning them in, in this solitary. Like There's so many ways you can view that. And then I specifically remember in middle school when a friend handed me a cassette tape and I opened it. It had a man in the middle of Tiananmen Square burning. And I put that in and I heard Bomb Track. Mm. And Zach De La Roca's Mm. uh, The Music of Rage brought me in, but I started to listen to Zach, and... Uh, All those messages that we're getting through about how we're lied to by the government, we're manipulated, the police will beat you down and they're just the wing of an oligarchy with money. I mean, I, I want people right now to go back and listen to, to some songs by Rage Against Machine or listen to the, the, the video. God, I don't know why I can't remember what song it is, but the one is talking about money and politics mm. and how Gore and Bush are really the exact same person because when it comes down to it, all they're going to do is serve corporate donors. And these are the things he was talking about in the early 90s. <laughs> and this is what we're talking about trying to get presidential candidates to do. So you talk about earlier saying, when does our influence come in? So Zach could be thinking, I wrote all these lyrics for no goddamn reason reason and he doesn't realize that that set the trend of shaping my life which developed a model which which a millennial 10 years from now may be the one that actually carries out and and gets the thing for but we saw all this as failure exactly
1: i mean it goes back to the last episode in the optimism conversation but and that's why it's kind of like you know the reason why it's not worth losing hope is because you're not you're too contingent to know what your impact even is right like you could literally die in the gutter and that be the thing that like sparked an idea to somebody else that like launched some new era of human civilization
0: there was no way that tamir rice was sitting on that playground fucking around thinking five minutes from now i will become the primary motivation for why mike wood says fuck the police as well and tries to fix the situation there's no way that boy thought of that at that time but that is what he will is immortalized as
1: no, absolutely. And, you know, and that's an impact. I mean, obviously, that's a tragedy. So it's not like, but that that's exactly it, right? Uh, and the truth is, we're all here, and we're all gone in a blink of an eye. That's not to minimize, obviously, what happened. But it's just to say that we do have to sort of have an awareness that we don't know, like, I mean, even uh, our, you know, who, who knew that when we started interacting that we'd be sitting here today, right? But, you know, going back to that, that question of music and the way it informs us, my favorite example of this is when, uh, like, Republicans play Born in the USA at their rallies. You know, they don't, obviously they love, did listen they, to the lyrics. They have not listened to that song <laughs> because they just love the hook, right? right. It's got the hot hook. It's a hot beat and a hot hook and that's yeah. as
0: far as anyone's that's, gonna go so you know. so they'll play board in the usa jailhouse rock and then they're gonna talk about how evil Marilyn manson and nwa are and you're like wait what hey,
1: you just played like <laughs> their forebears
0: and then talk shit about kaepernick
1: yeah exactly <laughs> this has been another episode of nuance uh join us next week <laughs> we had w- w- talk w- shit about kaepernick w- what we give now is his nobel literature prize